Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, dude. The 90s call. With Christine Taylor and David Lasher. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Hey, Dude, The 90s Called. I am Christine Taylor. And I'm David Lasher. Um, and David, I'm really delighted by our guest today. I met Elisa a gazillion years ago in the 90s. And we did a little something together that never saw the light of day that we, she and I can talk about. Maybe she'll be able to mine some memories from that. But um, I, I just wanted to say, first of all, since we had Melissa on last week and I was, I was just thinking how great it was since I'd never met her. And it was so great just getting to just hear her story and your, and, and your relationship. And what I realized, David, you and I, like we consider each other family, but we have all of these missed years that we weren't spending time together. And I'm getting to hear a little bit about you and your life during that period of time. And it's so sweet to me. <laughs> I loved hearing Melissa talk. And I loved hearing you talk about what her family meant and you guys all spending time together. It just, I feel like I'm piecing together this sort of <laughs> life that we weren't a part of each other's lives during that period of time. And I've loved it. Yeah, and we and we actually have so many common friends, right? I mean, Elisa, I, I can't tell you. We we've I think I've done more projects with her than any other actor or actress in my career. I mean, every time oh, I show so up on cool. set, Elisa all of a sudden is there. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's so talented, and I think it's so fun. It was I I had no idea it was so fun seeing her uh, appear 
in one of those amazing Super Bowl commercials, which yep. was like right in the first quarter of the game. It was so it, the game was so exciting. And then this amazing commercial pops on and there she is. I, I've been lucky enough just because you and I have you know started doing this that I, I reconnected with her just on Instagram. And so I've gotten to sort of follow her life a little bit over these last couple of months. And that has been a great reconnection. So um, I cannot wait to see her, talk to her. Um, and uh, yeah, you guys have done many things together. Yes. Yeah, she's been a great friend. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. But yeah, she's one of my best friends. And uh, the Super Bowl commercial, I was so happy for her. She looks amazing. So did Alicia. Oh, and my God. How about the fact neither of them have aged? <laughs> I, I think they look better <laughs> And they did when they were so, in their yeah, 20s. That is such a lovely thing for you, a, a gentleman, to say when, well, no, you know, I'm when, serious. when when the women have aged better. I love hearing that. All right. Well, let's talk about Melissa last week. The story about her getting fired from Sabrina for doing the Maxim cover. Well, I think threatened to be fired, right? <laughs> but well, that, yeah, yeah, yes. she, she, yeah, she ultimately didn't get fired. Thank goodness for oh for my, me as well. <laughs> I was going to say for you too. Um, no, that was a, a great story. I, I I love hearing because here's the thing: for those who didn't know her, and I didn't know her, but she came off as the most wholesome, clean cut. I mean, coming from Nickelodeon, like we had talked about, but then being on Sabrina, she was like the, the all American girl, so to speak, you know, yeah, she just yeah. was so accessible. And I love, well, so, so were you. Well, yeah, but I was not on a, a long running TV show like that where people knew me in that way. I mean, Hey dude, we had our little audience, but Sabrina reached, you know, mass, the masses. And I just feel like I, I loved her honesty just about where she was at at this that point in her life because she looked so young but she was already in her 20s you know that the what had preceded doing that photo shoot of just being at a party at the playboy mansion which was such a 90s <laughs> staple right oh, 90s right. into the 2000s the, those, yeah those midsummer parties. night's dream party yeah i think i i maybe was there twice that that was about all i could handle not really my scene but i had to experience it and that grotto, I was not getting in that. Don't tell me you got in the grotto. Never. Never. <laughs> I have a problem. This is just something that, you know, since we have a little time while we're waiting for Lisa, it, the, 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 the communal uh, pools and water parks sometimes <laughs> scare me. Um, I'm terrified of them, not just because of like germs and things going on and the amount of like chemicals that go in, but... I never just want to be hanging around in a ba bathing suit with a locker key walking around <laughs> a park. Well, like with, with a, like you're just walking around in a bathing suit and a locker key, like because your towel would, would get stolen or your bag would get stolen. So you, yeah, you do it for your kids. Gonna... But but what, what was going on in the grotto at the Playboy Mansion, uh, you know, surpasses yeah. uh, anything that was happening at yes. a kid's water park. Very true. Very true. And that's why um, I steered clear. Um, but uh, yeah, I just love that Melissa was so um, honest. I just I just love she's been doing this for such a long time. Um, and she's just so smart and bright. And um, and I, I really just loved hearing her stories. So, um, yeah, I love that people got to hear um, her business entrepreneurial spirit, you know, Incredible. She's, she's way more than an actress and which she's she's an amazing comedic actress. But, um, you know, they licensed uh, 
the rights to the Sabrina character from Archie Comics for one dollar. No, I mean, that's that is and, and Paula, her mom went in and sold it to three out of five networks in one day. No, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, oh, and it looks like we have Elisa waiting. So all we, right. Oh, that's Sabrina. Elisa Donovan. Hi, it's so good to see you. <laughs> Hi, Elisa. So good to see you. I mean, you too, David, but. I see you all the time. Yeah. I, well, it sounds like you guys have worked together. Like everything you do, you do together. So you've got to spend more time together. At least you and I haven't seen each other in person since. No. So do you remember? I think the last time that we saw each other, we ran into one another in an airport. I want Do you remember this? I feel like it was JFK. And um, I don't know. Like, well, I don't remember what we were doing. We were both by ourselves. And it was like, hi. Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that had to have been a long time ago. No? Oh, for sure. For sure. It was like before I had a child. I mean, it was a long time ago. Yes. And you look exactly the same well, as when I saw so you in like you. or 94. So do you. And I was thinking about that pilot presentation that we did. That's how we met, right? Yes. And I, that was sort of, I feel like my first slice of reality of Hollywood of, oh, you think you're going to do this great show and you're going to do all this work for it with all these terrific people. And I thought this is wonderful. People that really like care about the craft and you put all this into it. And then it's like, no, we're not doing that show. And it it wasn't, it it wasn't even a pilot, which also is one of those things where when you put your blood, sweat and tears and everyone's there and you really feel, but this was a pilot presentation. Presentation. None of us right. were getting paid. We right. were they we pay were they pay these, you less. Yeah. Yeah. We were working with these great writers who yes. we just it was it was like it was like we were all like college girl. I what was the storyline? It was I, I was trying to remember. And um David, Beth Broderick was directing it. That's the first how I met Beth first. Wait, and I was this thought, before Sabrina? Yes. I think it was before Clueless, was it? I don't actually know. It was it before ba- Brady Bunch. No, you had already. It might have just been after the first Brady Bunch movie. Right. It was. All I was going to ask. Yeah. Period. I don't remember. And I think that there was something. Maybe this is why I didn't go. I feel like I was had like a real big Southern accent. Did everyone? <laughs> but it was like. I. No, that was obviously just you. I definitely. I, it was like a very. Um, yeah, I think I was supposed to be very Southern. Maybe I'm the one that thinks it. <laughs> was it called Trio or am I just making oh, yes. it? It was oh three, it was three girls. It was, it was the much. three young women and we were best friends or we were working together. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. Jennifer Blanc was Jennifer our Blanc. Third. That's right. That's right. Um, I got and Beth I really... directed and did a little scene in it, but it wasn't yes. even a full, it was this presentation that we got up in front of the studio. It was at Warner brothers. Yeah. We got up and like yes. a play, like, like a little a play, play like a play. And I went, and, Oh, this is amazing. Look at how wonderful and easy life is. Like, and now I'm just going to do this show for several years with all of you wonderful people. Yeah. Or, and, or, and, or, or not. Or right. not. And they <laughs> very, very quickly said, We've- Nope. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Honestly, you guys are two of my best friends. This is so fun. I'm so happy to see you, Elisa. And congrats on the Super Bowl commercial because we want to talk about Clueless, but you and Alicia were so great. And it's really one of the, the commercials everyone's talking about. Oh, I love it. I mean, it was such a trip. It's one of these things where, um, you know, I think I can only imagine how often Alicia is approached to do something clueless oriented as I am certainly approached often. Um, And this was just one of these things where I went, I can't, this is perfect. It's so clever. And um, it just was, it was great. It was really, really fun. You guys were amazing. Stand out. I mean, and it was like, like the first, I said to David before you came on, it was like the beginning of the game and it was already like proving to be this amazing game. Like it was so good. And then suddenly there you, there you beautiful ladies are and looking not a day older. So funny. Oh my gosh. It was great. a trip. I mean, it was the same DP, Bill Pope, who I don't know if either of you have worked with him. He is just so wonderful. And he, I walked onto set and he's like, geez, you know, you haven't changed your clothes in 25 years, you know? And I'm like, the same so DP funny. from the movie? Yes, from the oh film. My God. And um, <laughs> they recreated the set exactly the same in a totally different place. And it was very funny because I remember when we shot that scene in the film, it was at um, a high school in the Valley and school was in session. So we had to use, you know, if we were on set and we had to go to the bathroom quickly, we used like the bathroom for the school. So kids, girls were like, what is going on here? And then, you know, in between things, you would hear the bell ring and the same thing happened on this set. Like at one point you just hear this announcement, like everyone don't forget your folders for Monday morning. Like it was amazing. It was so funny. Did did Amy direct it or no? No, the the commercial. Yeah. No, um, Will Speck, Speck and Gordon, I want to say. Oh, no, they're I want to so get funny. it right. You know, they're great. Yes, yes. Terrific. Yes. And really, uh, yeah, that felt like such a privilege. I wanted to spend more time with them. I, I've i shot very few commercials in my life, and I did not know how fast it goes. They're just like, say that's great and faster. Like, just say it faster. You're it's because yeah, like, it has to fit into this and they want a 15 second version. Right. Yeah. And they want the 30 second yeah. version. And did yeah. you guys do a long yeah. version of it? Just so there's to have a, online? There is a one minute version. Yes. That is yeah, the YouTube. Yeah. On YouTube, YouTube one. Yeah. Yes. That one is, uh, is longer. And, um, we shot like behind the scenes stuff also that I think they used more, internally for Rakuten for the company. Oh, and the the weird thing is I happen to personally know the CMO of Rakuten, the company that it's for. I know it through my daughter, through school here, et cetera. And she came up to me. We were at a day of the dead Halloween party. And she said, I, I have to talk to you about something. And I said, what? And she said, so, uh, you're going to get a call tomorrow about the commercial. And she's like, I just had to tell you because I thought you thought it, you would think it was weird that they, I hadn't told you. And I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, they just closed oh the God. deal with Alicia yesterday. She said, it's a Super Bowl commercial with just the two of you. And I hope you want to do it. And I was like, you hope I want to do it? Like, why? Why would I ever say no? A to Super Bowl, Super Bowl commercial. Right. Oh my and, gosh. But it was this weird thing where she went, her team, the creative creative team came to her and she said, wait, you, you know that I know Elisa, right? She's a friend. And they said, no, 
we didn't know, like we didn't know that at all. That was just a part of it. So it was this funny. Um, That's kind of a great thing. way to find out though. From totally, a friend, right? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was um, let's go back. Let's start jumping in to Clueless. Uh, what was your audition process like? Because I auditioned for that movie also, and 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 I'll tell you mine. But where were you at the time, and and what was the audition process like for you? So I had just moved from New York a couple of months before, and I was doing Blossom because we had you already left Blossom, or were you doing Blossom at the same time? Because I was playing opposite Joey. And yeah, you were on while I was there, but we didn't have scenes together. But I, I, I told Christine, I don't think I've ever worked with the same actress in so many different projects. I mean, Blossom, Clueless, Sabrina, Sabrina. and then Melissa and Joey, which we spoke to Melissa last week, but the Clueless, uh, it was was a rigorous audition process from what I remember. It was very much so. And um, I had was doing Blossom and they had hired me for one episode and then they liked the chemistry with the two of us. So they wrote me into another one and they were going to continue to write me into the show. And then I auditioned for and through this, I had my first audition for Clueless. And it started in Marsha Ross's office in the Valley, just her. And then she brought me back again. And I feel as though it was just her again and maybe one other person and then it was Marsha and Twink and right. Amy Christine, uh, Amy Herculine has a best friend named Twink Kaplan. Yes. Who is okay. n- never not by her side. And she played <laughs> Miss Geist in the film. Yes. And Got so it. I feel like it was them. And then I had this feeling like I might I might get this job. And then the next time I went to Amy's office. But there, there was something in between because at one point, I really thought I had the job. And then I went, oh, I, I I, don't think I had the job. And then they brought me back again to Paramount to Scott Rudin's office. That was it. And I was right. just like, this is the most intimidating. Because mm, a lot yeah, of like old Hollywood. And I feel like it was the first time I was there maybe. And I just was, I felt like I was out of my body and walked into his office and Amy was, you know, she was so kind and so warm and so welcoming. And Scott was really nice too, I recall, but I think that not everyone has that experience with him, but- um, Did you meet Adam Schroeder? You know, his- Yes. His right-hand guy, yeah. Yes. And and then I remember I was going home to see my family um, in New York because they were, my dad had retired and they were gonna move to North Carolina out of the house that I grew up in. So I was flying home that night. And then when I got home, I found out that I got the job and I was just like ecstatic because I wanted my parents to be proud. And, you know, I wanted my, my dad was always kind of like, what is this thing you're doing? It's <laughs> never going to pan out into anything, you know, like all this kind of like smoke and mirrors. <laughs> so, uh, but it was a long process, the audition process. Like it was. And Amy had done Fast Times, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So like, yes, she really when she dives into a generational, Uh, she she gets it, man. I mean, that's why the movies just, I, I, you know, people, my my kids love the movie. I love that so much. It's, It's, It's a testament to when something is done really well, when all of the pieces come together. And I feel like I was so spoiled by that experience because. I just assumed that 
every set will be like that. Oh, of course, where, right? Where it's perfectly cast, brilliantly written. The director is kind and actually shapes the film and cares about actors and the wardrobe is great. And the deep, like everything was just. And to, to start out with, with having a, a, a female direct, like up this powerful yes. woman directing, like to, yes. to have that be your first experience, how empowering that must, that oh, the entire process must've been. Totally. And again, it just felt like, well, this is amazing. You know, this is the way it'll always be. <laughs> and you're like, oh, maybe not always, but. <laughs> I mean, you were so perfect in that role. My gosh. I mean, you created the whatever, yeah. you know. That is like the, that is, <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I remember, uh, it's just funny how when you, I mean, we all know, like when you do something well as an actor, it's because you're a good actor, but they <laughs> then you do it and then they think, oh, that's what you do. Like, that's who you are. And it's such a funny, like, I don't, I'm very grateful for it, but it was, it was hard to get people to allow me to do other things. And, you know, it's like a funny, um, it's just a funny thing that happens. It's like, you have to figure out how to navigate things when you've made such an impression. And I always felt like she's the smallest character in the movie. Like, why are people so crazy about this? And uh, I guess she's just like the combination of wardrobe of everything was just and it's what you did with her. I mean, you really, and I don't know who or what or how you based it on. Was it? It was from my high school. Was it? Was it? Because I feel the like mean girls. The mean girls. Oh, you were the yes, original yes. mean girl. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. I know how, how you can draw from that. And then later in life say, wow, I, I, I survived that for a reason. And now I've yes. been it. Um, yes. And also I had a boyfriend in high school and then the beginning of college who used to I mean, it's just like one of these, my, my, I remember my mom always saying, you know, don't you think you should be happier when you're together instead of like arguing, <laughs> all the time, you know, um, he would say, he would say whatever to me when he would get frustrated, he would just be like, whatever. And it would infuriate me. Right. So when that became her thing, I was like, oh, I got this. Like I am going <laughs> to, I'm going to turn this into something that is really, really meaningful to me. And I guess, I guess that reverbed out. <laughs> I mean, that is the biggest '90s cast phrase, right? The kids, right. <laughs> whatever. And then, um, I'll tell you really quickly my audition process. You know, every actor has the one that got away. You know, yes. mm -hmm. and uh, I had read so many times also for for Scott Rudin, Adam, Amy, and and I I I felt like I had it. You know, and Paul Rudd got the role. For, yeah, for Josh. Yeah. And uh, and I know that I almost got it and I was second choice because when the when Amy decided to do the TV series, they just offered it to me. Right. And I know it was That's her being so like, nice, right. I mean, it's not the same as the movie, but it's like, what a great feeling. No, it, it was a great consolation prize. And, uh, you know, just getting to work with you and Donald. And Stacy and Wally Sean and you know so and fun. Amy and Twink. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was a great um crew. Oh my gosh. How much longer after was the series from the film? I feel like it was the next year. Did the film came out in ninety 
95 or 94, I don't know, 95 maybe. So I feel like that, um, that next pilot season, so say it came out in the summer, I think, or the fall. And yeah, then the movie's 95 the next, and the, the show came out in 96. 96. Yeah. 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 It was the next year. So you may have been going through our, our trio experience before, at the like same before time, that. Or at the same or yes. at the time, like that, that yes. pilot season, right? Yes, I think so. And I think I was probably like, oh, no, I'm going to be doing this other show called Trio. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, or maybe I'll do Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> will never ever be spoken of ever again until <laughs> decades later when we're doing decades later <laughs> uh, that is so exciting though that is so fun and how how many seasons did you was the show for Three you guys seasons. so the first season was on abc and the funny thing is we started with it was the they were kind of revamping tgif on abc and um, kind of making it a little bit more uh, grown up for kind of older kids. And that included Sabrina mm-hmm. and um, us and Clueless and something else. And, you know, Clueless was the one that the network just went, this is, you know, we were on buses, we were on everything. And the ratings just did not support it. And I remember thinking, you know, like we met, we, we did the TCA and did all the press stuff with Melissa and, um, I went, oh my gosh, I think this is going to not work out for us. Like we, it went from, because, you know, Amy is a film director and I think she really didn't like the TV process as much. I don't think it was as fulfilling for her. And, you know, she shot it with single camera. And so by the end of the first season, the network was like, we're not picking this up again. And then we went to another, you were the WB or the... Yeah, uh, UPN. I think UPN. Oh, UPN. So right. the for Paramount had it was like the original Paramount right. network, and so we did two seasons on that. Um, and Amy left, and we had Tim O'Donnell running, who was amazing. And Tim is like a yeah. a sitcom guy. I mean, he's he's a half hour comedy guy, and so he um, he did an awesome job. But I feel like we we had so much fun doing that show, and it's sort of a bummer that people didn't see it as much because I think it was like so hard to, to um, follow up the film. You know, I think that's also why when people are always asking us as if I have any agency over it, like, are, are you going to do a sequel? I'm like, well, it's not up to me. I think Amy just doesn't, you know, I think it sort of put a bad taste in her mouth, the um, her experience of doing the series, but we had a lot of fun. I mean, it was hilarious. So much fun. I mean, we shot on the Paramount lot and it was big shoes for Rachel to fill, right? To yes. step in. I, everybody came back except for um, Alicia. Alicia. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Brittany. Brittany did one episode, but oh she goodness. she didn't, um, she came like, again, she did an episode and Paul did an episode. Um which a fun fact, my mom was visiting, my parents were visiting set for that episode. And so she, they, they put her in the scene. Amy put her in one of the scenes as an extra on this park bench with Paul. I think there's some storyline. I think it was Paul and Rachel 
I don't know, they were supposed to be getting romantic, I think on this bench. And my mom was so excited that she just was like, they had to put sunglasses on her because she kept like smiling and looking at them and just like, she was supposed to have a grocery bag and just like sit down, like she's on a park bench. And my mom was like, and then Amy's like, cut, you know, you don't Charlotte, look like a Charlotte. normal, exactly. <laughs> a little too happy. It's a little too just... happy to be with your groceries. Yeah. <laughs> Christine, have you ever met Amy Heckerly? Yes, yes, yes. Many times. She, she was such a character. with Ben's producing partner, Stuart Kornfeld, and, and, you know, and love her. I really love her. She is a kick in the pants. Yeah. So but talented, understand. but so yeah. like dry. So dry. That's New why York. Ah, yes. yeah, we're gonna move on. Yes, I can imagine <laughs> when you when you said Amy came on for the series. I never realized that, and the thought of Amy working in that format right. and and in the television world and with where you know, I think there's a very big difference in that sort of you know situation comedy. Yeah. I think it's changed now more more now, but directors were not the ones who really had the most control. It was the That's writers right. and the network that right. they ultimately had the final say. And I'm sure that was tough coming from you know it was her baby. Yes. So I, yeah, I can imagine it was. I think it was hard for but her. We had long lasting friendships from that show. Oh I mean, my gosh, me and I you think about and Donald. Totally. I think about how much Donald and I laugh. Like we, oh my God, he just. Donald's also a commercial king with him. And I know, um, right? Oh, yes. Josh, he is uh, the uh, Zach, Zach Braff, right? <laughs> uh, John Travolta commercial. That was great as well. Yes, that was um, but so how great. crazy that you both then end up on Sabrina, the show that essentially took <laughs> stole the thunder from Clueless. Yeah. I, yeah. Christine, oh, I literally bananas. kept my same trailer from Clueless. No, you didn't. The next season, <laughs> it was outside the same stage for Sabrina. Yeah. yeah, they're like, just change the character name. Sounds good. Just get them in there. No, I was, but yeah, it was Josh and Josh. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Oh my God, that's that right. Is so Josh. I played the same character name, but uh, yeah, then I... I you came on my second year there, and we had Melissa on last week. Melissa Joan Hart, and I love we, Melissa, she's like a uh, sidebar. I don't know how that person has remained so normal and so grounded for the amount of years that she has been in this business and the way that she has. She's like that's what we said. Unicorn. She's a unicorn. a unicorn. I said to her the fact that you had the, yeah. so many shows that went over a hundred episodes. Like th there are, you're in such, <laughs> I mean, in the top, like, you know, one millionth yep. <laughs> category. And then I meanwhile, mean, she's like, let's so go, normal. like, let's go spinning or how are your kids? Like, how do we, let's get, you know what I mean? It's oh, I love so her. down to earth. Um, yeah. I mean, she moved to Westport, you know, like, and yeah. now Nashville, she got her kids out of Hollywood yep. Yep. and, and really gave them more of a, a normal, childhood but we yeah. were talking about like what a amazing entrepreneur she is and 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 paula yeah. her mom as well have yeah. just kept it going and buy rights to things and continue yeah. to produce movies and uh yeah they yeah. were but how was your time on sabrina i i you know so you were there a year before me is that right you were already yeah. on the show yes yeah um, and so I, that test also, I mean, the testing process is just the worst thing on earth. It's just horrible. For, um, for anyone listening to this, this, okay. uh, you know, if you're not an actor, it's, it's, it's hands down the worst 
audition experience you could ever imagine because you are really, you've gone through an endless process to begin with, with the various creators of the show. And then you're brought in almost like on a, on a stage or in a theater, depending on where it was. And, and you are put like sort of in a room where you're not really allowed to talk to anybody. And it's like right. almost like a full house. ABC was a theater. I remember. And it, can, it was a theater. Yes. Yep. And it can either feel like the warmest environment where they, you feel like they really want you to succeed or they can't wait for you to stop talking. You know, right. it can yes. be cr- yeah, total <laughs> crickets, man. Oh, and for Sabrina, it was, it was amazing. They, it was a super warm room. Um, Bruce Ferber was running the show at the time. Oh, the best. He's like a deer. He's still a friend of mine. And um, so that test was super pleasant, the whole experience. And then immediately I went, the show is like a family. I mean, literally it was just, that was what it was. It was like going to, to work with your family that you wanted to hang out with. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. amazing. We Melissa's were talking about it. Paula's yeah. house was like an open yes. door of, you yes. know, every night, something game nights. I had game friends nights. show up there yep. when I wasn't even there. I mean, they were just like, <laughs> everyone's welcome all the yeah. time. Yep. Yep. It was a really fun. And Melissa would have these Christmas parties. Yeah. For the girls, like it was a spa party at her house that was like a full day of just massages and like people playing the harp and, you know, having wine and tea. And like, it was just, it was awesome. It was really fun. Yeah. As far as low pressure. I mean, there wasn't even yes. an audience, right? We just shot. No, right. Uh, that, it was a hybrid of, you know. It, yeah. We didn't have that show night anxiety. It was just mm-mm. show up. You have as many takes as you want. No one's watching. Nobody's. Yep. And there were some great um, guest stars on that show. I mean, that's the fun thing about doing series TV like that. They always have these kind of people who uh, come in and do cameos that are like Andy Roddick was one or. Um, oh, my God. So- By the way. Everybody. I, I played tennis with Andy Roddick during no, the lunch didn't. break. Yes, yes, for sure yes. I did. He Stop. was coaching he was coaching Sabrina to try and beat me because I was so chauvinistic that a woman right, couldn't right, beat right. And he served to me. I, I don't think I got even a string on it. Well, that, was, that was what he was known for, that serve. The serve, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Lisa, how many great guest stars? Usher and Insync and Oh my God, Brittany. Usher, Insync, right, right. Insync on Clueless. This is actually very funny. Um, for Clueless, Insync did an episode. I feel like it might've been one of our final, not the final, one of the final ones in the last season. And I didn't know who they were before. <laughs> and the uh, studio was like, this is, didn't a know very, this is a very big deal. You know, like this is really important. And I was making fun of them all before they got there. I was like, oh, the little boys. Like, I was like, I'm going to uh, request Dirty Prince songs for them to sing. And like, as if they were five years old or something. <laughs> and then, of course, they show up and I go, oh, these are like the most professional, kind uh, genuine people that I've, you know, ever worked with. They were so professional and so cool. And I remember saying to them just that, you know, I was kind of like making fun of you guys a little bit before you got here. And this has been really lovely. And Justin's like, I don't know who you're making fun of. He's like, look at your outfit. You look crazy. And I was like, <laughs> Justin Timberlake said <laughs> yeah, that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, um, but yeah, so many people. 
So many. And I, with um, Sabrina Hansen, I remember I had to, you know, and I was playing younger than I am. And I remember I had to be uh, so was know, I. Like, attracted to one of the guys in Hanson that was like, this is a little uncomfortable. I feel like <laughs> I'm his senior. He's no, like he, I remember they come to the door or something. And I, I mean, that care Morgan was always just like after everyone. You always. dated, you dated a 12 year old. But didn't we date for a season? Yes. Y yeah. So our characters. There's a, uh, an episode that my friend, Matt, who I'll just say, you know, Sabrina's not his genre of, television anybody he would always call me he's like i keep seeing this lobster episode which there was something the lobster episode of the two of us i think it was when we break up i don't remember how long because i dated uh nate also uh harvey but uh -huh. there was something you and i it was like a valentine's episode and he still to this day will text me and be like saw the came across the lobster episode you know it's like i think we had a lot i remember the restaurant yeah and yeah. we break up yeah but you and Soleil and Melissa together, I mean, it was great. So fun. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. 
A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about Night at the Roxbury real quick, because, uh-huh. I mean, my God, Will Farrell and uh, Chris Kattan. How did that come about, and how was that? So that Amy bless her, um, called me and said, I'm doing this movie and I want you to be in it. Will you come do the table read at Paramount? And, um, I said, sure. And was for Lauren Michaels, like Will and Chris were reading. Everybody was, was pretty much the cast that it wound up being, but, um, Lauren Michaels didn't want me to do it. He, what? Wanted, like, what? he wanted some supermodel to do it. And Amy kept saying, no, you need a comedic actress. Like you can't, we're not going to have Cindy Crawford or whoever like play this. Like you need comedic actress. So I had to really like prove to him that I could do it. And ultimately, you know, I did, but I, they had me read with a bunch of people before they found Gigi. And I partly felt like, is this them? You know, they had told me that I had it, but it was still that thing of they're they're still kind of like testing me out here, you know, while I'm auditioning these other people, they're still auditioning me. So it was like, I felt like I had to really, you know, make sure that I was proving to them that I could do it. But we were shooting that at the same time as um, the series of Clueless. So there were a few days there, a couple of weeks there where I shot 24 hours a day where I would shoot the daytime on Clueless and then they would pick me up and drive me to set to shoot nights on Roxbury. And they go for like two hours. I mean, I was delirious. And those two were so funny, Will and Chris, that, you know, when you're already like you have your third wind and you're exhausted, sometimes the two of them, I was like, you have to turn around. Like, I can't, please, like, I don't want you to be here. Like, I can't. <laughs> On my coverage, I need you to not be there. You know? Why? They just cracked you up? And, like, they would, like, drop their pants and have, like, boxers, you know, like, have something <laughs> ridiculous and just be straight-faced saying their line. You know, it was really 
Oh, that was so fun. Oh my gosh. Could, could you tell they were like on another level? I mean, yeah. You know, I, yes. Will Ferrell is living in a, another universe, right? I mean, really? yes. And so kind. He's, he's really one of the kindest people ever. And, uh, I mean, that's one of the sweetest ever and not it, you know, it, as funny as they come, but also like when you talk to, I mean, he's literally just wants to talk about his kids or wants to talk, yes. he just want, he, yes. he is so yes. self-effacing and, and, and humble. Yes. Um, but I can't imagine the, 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 you know, that, especially working 24 hours. It's funny. Melissa told us a similar story and I said, the joys of being young, right? Like you, you could pull that off and actually right. It'll look good. Imagine if you had really? to. Do that. Yeah, I was like, I think like protein bars and thing like you just like had to keep going. Right? Yeah. Can you imagine now? Like my, oh, no. my eyes would be hanging down the middle. No. <laughs> yeah, and your daughter, your daughter needs to pick up at school, right? <laughs> really? I mean, she doesn't. They she is off from school today. Don't ask me why, because it doesn't make any sense. We're unclear why. You know, it's sort of every there are these teacher learning day i'm not, I'm not my, sure. my son is out as well it's a really? it's a report writing day a report yes. writing day yes yeah <laughs> like we're yeah. just checking in on ourselves school, is, school has become like yeah. maybe a few days a year yeah for our, it's, it's like I, optional but, <laughs> exactly um but your daughter was so cute the other day when she met Clay Thompson. Oh. Tell, tell us about that. Oh, I know that you, was you, incredible. You know, I need yeah. to hear about that. So I have to tell you, we are very big um, Warriors fans, Golden State Warriors and the Yankees. So the Warriors, my daughter said to me a year ago, why can't you work for Rakuten? And I went, because <laughs> I, I that's not what I do. And she's like, well, why can't you just get a job with them? And I said, because... I do cool stuff. Like I'm an actor and a writer. Like, wait, get wait, on board. Why did she like, think Rakuten? What did Rakuten have to do with the Warriors? Because they are the main sponsor of the Golden yes. State Warriors. Oh, okay. So it's their name on, it's their, on their jersey. Forms. It's on their jersey. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. They're the biggest. All the NBA teams have sponsorship. When you, If yes. you look nowadays, it didn't it used to happen that way. But now right. it's, they have these sponsors on their jerseys. Right. So the fact that she yeah. even knew that, because she probably didn't even know what it was. No, <laughs> she didn't. And I was like, so that's like a tech company that's a shopping app. Like, it really has nothing to do with me at all. So then, of course, this comes about. And I said, oh, my gosh, she manifested this. Like, now I, I work for Rakuten. So they offered us the um, their courtside seats. Now, I have never sat oh, courtside. I've sat in some pretty good seats, but I've never sat on the court. And uh, they had told me before, you know, asked who is Scarlett's favorite, because she's like a huge fan. She and her bestie, Vivian, they call themselves the Splash Sisters. And the Splash <laughs> Brothers are Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So they've been to games together, the two girls with their Splash Sisters sign, et cetera. So it's like a big deal. And she's Clay Thompson as her favorite. So they told me before, we're trying to orchestrate something where Clay will come over, but don't tell Scarlett because oh my God. you never know what's going to happen. In case it doesn't happen, right. I mean, game day and they're doing their thing. And, you know, so we're sitting and Scarlett's saying to me the whole way over there, I'm just acting weird. And she's like, why are you acting so weird? I said, I'm just excited. And she said, stop, like, you're going to embarrass me. You're just so excited. <laughs> and I was like, just, you know, it's going to be fun. And I was really stressed out. So we're sitting courtside and he comes out to practice and they said like they knew they I mean the whole all the Rakuten people were orchestrating all of this for us so they're like sit here okay no no 
move out. No, we're going to actually have you sit over here for right now. They were doing this whole like moving around situation to be at the right angle for him to come over. So I'm, we're watching him warm up and I just thought, oh my God, if this doesn't happen, I am going to be so disappointed. And then because no one was reminding him. Right. And they were like, well, we'll remind him when he's done. And then the next thing you know, he just comes right over. No, Charlotte's face. She's like, (laughs) he's coming over and she just, her eyes like this. And he gives her a high five and we have oh, a picture man. of her face. I mean, I also look elated in this photo because I'm so happy that it worked out, but he gives her a high five and her face is just beyond. She was so excited. And then he takes a picture with her and he like shakes her hands. Like how you do. And I just was aghast. It was, you the were, you, you were the cool day. mom for one minute. Yes. Right? I got nice. it for one day. And then they put us on the jumbotron because they aired the commercial like during the breaks and then they put us on the jumbotron and like thanked us for coming and scarlet is just like this oh my gosh she'll she'll remember it the rest of her life forever her life forever do you guys find i know you're you're a fan you're basketball fan yankees fan david i know you're a sports fan but and 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 we've been we you know we're knicks fans yes you can say i'm so sorry because i used to be a knicks fan being a knicks fan we are big knicks it's yeah. hard to be a Knicks fan in California because of you course. can't. No, you can't. We, and we, when we lived in LA, but we, you know, we're in New York now, but when we lived in LA, we could, we could never go to Lakers games just because it felt like yeah. sacrilege. Yeah. Like it just yeah. felt like we were, you know, I agree. Team. Yep. but um, how, like to me, when I see those athletes in person, meet one of those people, I like, I can't speak. I, I well, so I said nothing. People in our profession, yeah. I can do even when they're right. I, like I can <laughs> I can find words, but something about athletes, like yeah, I, I, I give like a thumbs up and I just yes. start shaking so, and sweating. And yes. I'm so, so I said nothing. I said nothing <laughs> to Clay. I was just a huge smile, and he apparently, you know, someone said, "Did you hear him say?" I always loved the movie. And I was uh, like, no, he I was going to ask that. if he recognized I was like, you. No, he didn't say that. And they said, and then they were like, yeah, his coach, they were telling him about this. And he said, oh no, I love that movie. Like I'll go over and do that for a daughter. So, but I didn't know any of this. I was just smiling big like this. And I, then as I'm replaying it in my mind afterwards, I went, oh yeah, all I did was this, like this, I just shook my head and he's talking and I'm like, uh-huh. And just not, I said, I couldn't, I was overwhelmed and also you feel like they're so massive and so strong and so So big stature yes when they you know somebody falls on the court i went oh my gosh it's it's over like they've broken every (laughs) bone in their body because it's so loud and then they just stand right back up and the passing i i felt like it's so fast and so hard when you see it close up. I'm like, this is like a baseball, like they're throwing a baseball, but it's a bat. Like it was just crazy. It's so physical. Christine knows about basketball players. She dated a basketball player. Oh, you did? Got in between our uh... my high school sweetheart went and went off and played college basketball, and so I was always a basketball fan. But now, you know, and I he was on the Duke team with Christian Leitner. Yes, he he was. Oh, my husband, a national championship with Duke. But my husband is a huge Duke fan. Huge. Yeah, I mean, it was um, that was my you know introduction to uh, basketball, like (laughs) that that that, that world. But I really have always loved. I I mean, it's just they're going to see those games in person are so much fun. And 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 I we we love Clay Thompson in this house. That team is incredible. And I and even if you're not 
warriors. You have to respect what they do. And, totally. and, and they're one. So they're so fun to watch. And we sat next to one of the, the, um, owners of the warriors. And so at one point, Draymond green, they're shooting. Oh, a I love shot. He leans over his shoulder and he winks at Bruce who's sitting next to me and Scarlett went, did he just wink at you? And I said, no. And I said, why don't you ask this gentleman why he winked at him? And Scarlett said, why did he wink at you? And now this is one of the, the minority owners. And he said, well, you know how Clay Thompson is your favorite player? And she said, yes. And he said, well, Draymond is mine. And then she's like, oh, I like him too. You know, like he's pretty good. Into he's a winner. He does, he does whatever needs to be done, whether that it's scoring, team. rebounding, so or just being a badass. He protects I, the fact that Clay and and Steph Curry are on the same team is almost unfair. It I, it is. They're I, the two best shooters in the last incredible. ten years. They really are. It's it's an incredible thing to see. All that whole team though, and Jordan Poole is like he reminds me of John Starks, like back in the day, because oh, he's a little boy. Are you kidding me? You know? like, that's my I childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Starks uh, versus Jordan every year. Yep. Wow. Yep. In the in, in the uh, Eastern Championship, um, Elisa. I just want to, uh, Christine. Elisa is a, an amazing writer. Yeah, well, and... this is what I wanted to talk about. I want to. I first of all, th I I only just learned that you wrote a memoir. Yes, and I am going to get it and read it because I I, I just even in, in recently in us following each other, you know, in social media and sort of getting to sort of take a peek yeah. into your life a little bit and just you know I, I, talk about that. Talk about what made you want to do that and and what that process was. So I I've always been a writer, um, first of all, and that was like my major in college and in um it really started in high school. But um so when we over the course of a very short period of time, right when Sabrina was canceled, the relationship ended with the person I thought I was going to marry. And my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And then I went through that, you know, one of those pilot seasons is all at that time, tested 11 times, 11, did not get a job. Then my dad got sicker, the relationship ended, my dad passed away. So over the course of a couple of months, everything just changed. So all the things that made my life make sense, that gave me a sense of accomplishment and identity and peace, it was just, everything was stripped away. And it just floored me. And I completely, it changed my life uh, undeniably. And so that that year, really, I just um, was reevaluating everything. I mean, I moved to Spain. I thought I was going to just move to Spain. And um, I, what through the grief process, my dad came to me in these dreams that really helped me to heal and to remedy my relationship with him. And I just came to this new place of going, this is the sort of work that I want to do. And I, I wrote this piece as a one woman show, I did it at the Geffen at the Skirball, um, Audrey Skirball Theater as a benefit. And I went, it was, uh, people were overwhelmed that they were really moved by this piece. And I went, this is what I want to do. And, you know, when you tell your agents, <laughs> I'd like to tour a, a play and um, it's about death and <laughs> um, dreams. They're like, oh, that sounds 
and it's just me on stage. And it's right. just but, me. but you're Amber. And I'm exactly, exactly. Like nobody could <laughs> understand what I was saying. And um, but you know, as when there is a passion project and you believe in it, I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I always wanted to write it as a book. And it was met with, oh, is she, is this like a vanity book about her? I'm like, no, this is not about what it was like to play Amber. You know, this is an actual <laughs> book that I am writing. I don't have a ghostwriter. I don't have, so it kind of took a while for people to understand what I was doing. And then um, so I got the book deal right before, um, the, right. What turned out to be my daughter's last day of school in the pandemic. So the publisher says, um, I literally signed the the deal and the publisher says, you know, your first, um, uh, deadline is June. Will that work? And this was March. And I was like, sure. Like I'm fast. And I, you know, the, the, the bones of the book was, were already there. Sure. And then of course, you know, no one left their houses for months. And so then my daughter's homeschooling in her room. My husband is working in the guest room and I'm everyone's on top of each other. <laughs> everyone's on top of each other. I was just like, what is happening? Um, so, and, oh, but through that process, before I got the book deal, I also had written it as a film and we were trying to kind of get it um, together. And we thought we had the financing and then we didn't. And, um, so then the book came first and now the film is in development again with, we have some great people attached and I have an awesome producer and we are trying to raise, to put together the financing and, you know, for a small film, these things are labors of love and you always, you know, we have a company that will give us matching funds. So essentially we're just trying to get the first half of the money and then, um, will will go and um i'm directing it i'm not going to be in it and um incredible i'm so excited about this it's just like um i just really feel like it's special and and people who anyone that has signed on has signed on because they really respond to the material and they believe in it and um so it feels like when it does really fully come together it'll be it'll be right and david has read it david yeah the title wake me when you leave based on your father coming to you in dreams that's really beautiful yeah so it's like this idea of waking up yes from the dreams and also you know kind of that the character awakens to her life after he passes away right that's so so beautiful um, yeah, this I, I read the screenplay. Uh, we did a we did a reading yes. of the screenplay, mm-hmm. uh, and you wrote that before the book, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And- the book I had written in pieces over the years, and almost had a book deal many years ago, and then just it didn't. You know, it needed the time it needed. The screenplay was beautiful, and I remember it like crushing me because you know having lost my father. And, and just you and I have so much in common and going home again and dealing and just, I remember laughing and crying and just being so moved by it. And um, it's just a great, it really should be made into a film. Are you still working with? Yeah, with uh, Rick, yes, with Rick, Rick Bosner. Okay, great, great, yep. great. Yep, and um, we have some great actors attached and we're just gonna keep going, you know? And I feel like I, it's a really special movie and I, I, 
I think that there's this idea that, you know, we don't, as a culture, we really shy away from certainly from grief or from difficult and challenging things. And, you know, so much of what I learned through this whole process is how it, one, it's incredibly isolating when you're going through these things, because it feels like no one else understands and no one else is really ever going to identify with you in this way. And then I discovered as soon as you start to share something that allows people permission to share their own story. And that has been what has been happening. And, and, and the other piece of it is that there's so much humor in the, there's a lot of humor in the book also, but there's so much humor in the film because one, you, you need that balance, right. Of if something is really, but also, you know, grief and joy and laughter, these things are so close to one another, you know, in the absurdity of when someone is, is, is dying, it's, it's, it's horrible and it's painful. And then these weird, ridiculous, funny things happen that you're just like, this is life, you know, yeah. this is the whole experience. It's, all, it's the package. It's all yes. bundled into one. And, yes. and like you were saying what I loved, and I know you've been really sort of, you've been so vocal and open about anorexia and your back. And I feel like to, to, to take, you know, to, to take the sort of, you know, shame away from it yes. and yes. share it because yes. There, people are struggling, and if it's yes. not one thing, it's another thing, and and people need to hear these stories more. I know yes. that, and and it, you you hit the nail on the head. It's when you have, even if it's one other person that can identify with what you said, and you can have that conversation, you are suddenly not alone anymore. Yes, right? yes, um, that is it's exactly. so beautiful that you have have um that you've been able to um to put that out there. And, and you really too, even with, even with, um, you know, talking about your struggles with anorexia, it helps so many people. And I just want to say like, this is not going to, this is not the podcast for it, but you know, I have a daughter who's 20, almost 21 years old, who is, is in, in theater school going into this industry. And, you know, we think we've made so much progress I know. And we really have as, as a culture when it comes to bodies and, and clothes and how to look. And, you know, she's having an experience right now in, in, in a production she's in where the, the, the wardrobe department has not been kind and it has, and, and oh, I can't man. believe, and, and I just want to put that out there because I want, I, and not just women, men, everybody to know that the, the we have to talk about these things and yes. you have to express when you are, hurt or feel, um, you know, like you're being objectified or looked at in a certain way. And we need to say it out loud and not bottle it up and then, you know, find, find another outlet to, you know what I mean? Um, uh, we need to continue to have have the conversations because the other piece of this is, you know, and Hollywood is very guilty of this as are many industries, but you know, where we tell a big story about it have a, a a beautiful celebrity say they're, you know, they're so brave because they're sharing this thing. And then it's like, oh, and now we, um, the Me Too movement, oh, women are equal. Oh, we believe everything. And then nothing changes, right? So it's like this headline. And then we right. think- That's, that's, that's we, a lot of attention. Yes. And then we think, oh, we've changed all of that now. And we've really made teeny, teeny, tiny- Baby steps. You know? Yeah. And so it just is a conversation that needs to continue to happen. And it's, it's certainly better. Um, 
than than the 90s, you know, being on uh-huh. TV and in films in the 90s was pretty brutal in that brutal. regard. Um, but so I certainly think it's a, a little better, but the, the bigger picture is I, I really, this, this attention to mental health and needs to really be on the forefront continually and that our value system changes, right? If we continue to just value the exterior and I'm a person, I care about like, I love clothing. I like wearing makeup. I like yes. getting dressed. I love all those things. Absolutely. But, but not at the expense of what I really value about myself. You yes. know, and the things that I truly value about myself have nothing to do with, with my exterior appearance. And so it's something that I think we just need to continue to culturally and interpersonally value the things that really matter. So yeah, that and it starts there on, on that, like you even, even it, it interpersonally, I love that because I yep. think that's where it has to start. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's great to do comedies, but sometimes when you do a piece of work or you put yourself out there, like, um, wake me when you leave, uh, it, it, it has, it resonates and it helps people and, um, nobody escapes, you know, feeling insecure about their looks yeah. or their body or losing a loved one. Nobody escapes that. Nope. Um, and to feel not alone in that uh, is important, I think. And and it's beautifully told, really beautifully told. Thank you. Thank you. Thank this you. has been amazing. Amazing. I could talk to you for another three uh, hours and let's find each other offline. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And Please. definitely reconnect. I would love to see you. I would love to see you. Yes. This um, is like such a joy. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And good luck with, with um, I'm, I'm really going to get the book. I'm reading it. I, I'm I so excited for you and excited about this film. And I really, um, I know it's going to get made and look forward to it. You are such a joy, such a gem. Um, uh, <laughs> and I just, I love it. I love that we all talk basketball too. Like, I know I me it. too. <laughs> Christine, she flew down for my birthday party for one night from San Fran. Oh, last year I, I mean how cool is that <laughs> i love you for that and you you make we all make the effort you me and melissa yeah you know um yeah i don't know what to say thank you so yeah. much for being on thank here you. thank you guys christine and we definitely get together we'll connect we'll find each other we will <laughs> not in an airport like for an a right. <laughs> congrats on the clueless commercial because that was awesome i'm so happy for you Thank you. And maybe yeah. a Clueless 2 movie? Oh, oh yeah. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, I'm in charge of that. Yeah. Let us know when it's going to happen, right? Okay, I will, yeah. Yeah, you can direct it and write it. Oh. All right, love you. Love yes, you guys. So much Thank love. Bye, Elise. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give us five stars. And please follow us on Instagram at HeyDudeThe90sCalled. See you next time. Hey, guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs in schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. 
Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a Cross Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.